You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. What do we mean when we say Shabbat Shalom? Of course, you know, if you're a kindergartner, oh, we have an answer, yeah. Uh, good. Shalom can mean welcome, can mean hi, can also mean goodbye. And the word itself uh, often means peace, right? And so when we wish a Shabbat Shalom, in effect, we're wishing a peaceful Sabbath or a Sabbath of peace. And I was thinking about that phrase Shabbat Shalom today because, of course, we usually use it in sort of a colloquial fashion. We want Shabbat to be restful, we want it to be leisurely, we want it to be peaceful and relaxing, so we wish a Shabbat Shalom, a Shabbat of leisure, a Shabbat of rest. But I started thinking today about what it would mean to actually say Shabbat Shalom, that Shabbat is actually of and about and for peace. What would it mean then? What might it mean? to have a Shabbat of peace, a Shabbat that teaches and inspires to peace. For those of you who followed the news today, it's probably no wonder why I got to thinking about this. Because we all followed over the course of the week the massacre that occurred at the, uh, I'm gonna try to pronounce this right to my uh, Canadian friends, Jarlie Hebdo, uh, satirical newspaper in Paris where Islamist gunmen stormed the building and murdered 12 innocent people for the crime of freely expressing themselves in print. And then today the events took a uh, dramatic and terrifying turn where the perpetrators showed their true colors if they hadn't already. And in an attempt to uh, block the capture of the men who perpetrated the act, accomplices, associates, took over a kosher grocery store in Paris, killed two people, and held the rest hostage until eventually the police were able to take down the gunmen, but not before it turns out that several more hostages were killed. And it's a hard story to follow if you are a lover of humanity and freedom and peace, and doubly hard and doubly scary and doubly troubling if you're a Jew, and especially the fact that this occurred on the eve of the Sabbath, of this Shabbat Shalom, the Shabbat of peace, as people were shopping to make their Shabbat meals for their families at home in the hopes of after a hard week in Paris having a Shabbat of peace. So in the light of the world in which we live, in which these events seem tragically, routinely commonplace, and in which it appears as if Jews especially are increasingly threatened at home, in Israel, and scaringly in Europe. How do we have a Shabbat Shalom? 
So there's a few places in the tradition where we can turn to think about Shabbat, um, what it means and what it's trying to communicate and what it's trying to offer us. And the thing that caught my eye today was the psalm that's called the Shir Shel Yom HaShabbat, the psalm of Shabbat that we just read a few moments ago, which I said to pay attention to because you're going to be quizzed on it later. You're not really going to be quizzed on it, but I want to take a look at it a little bit more closely. So look with me on page 23 in your Siddur. So the interesting thing about this psalm is that on its surface, it doesn't really have anything to do with Shabbat. The phrase that begins it, Mizmor Shir Liyom Shabbat, was added later in history. It wasn't original to the psalm. It was something that in the ancient temple, the Levites chose as like, this psalm really talks about Shabbat, even though it doesn't mention Shabbat at all. So we'll call this the psalm for Shabbat, and that's how it gets its title, the psalm for Shabbat. It wasn't written like that necessarily, but our ancient ancestors thought that it had everything to do with Shabbat, although it's not immediately apparent. So that's what I want to try to make a little bit apparent now and then um, bring to a punchline. Okay, so here's what we say. Tov lehodot l'adunai u'lezamer l'shimcha el-yom l'hagid b'boker chastecha ve'emunatcha ba'lelot. It's good to acclaim the Lord to sing your praise, exalted God. So there's a couple of things there that I want to make mention of. The first is the very first word, tov. For my biblical scholars out there, you might know that the word tov means? Good. Good, very nice. And the word tov uh, very strikingly appears several times in a very famous biblical passage. It appears several times in the opening chapter of Genesis as God is creating the world. And after each day, and after each thing that God creates in the world, God says, Tov, this is good. And so it's not a coincidence then that this psalm that our ancestors said is really about Shabbat starts with the word Tov, because Shabbat at its core is about creation. It's about the world that God has created for us the world that we are told in the book of Genesis that we are supposed to be protecting and defending, the world that human beings have responsibility for, the world that each and every step of it, except for one, God calls Tov, good. And what's the one piece of God's creation that God calls not good, Lotov? The first human being. God says, Lotov. It's not good for a human being to be alone. I'll make for that human being a helpmate near him, opposite him, close to him. In other words, what is missing from the human equation is companionship, is love, is support, is friendship, is fellowship. That is what turns Lotov to ultimately Tov Me'od. Very good. And so a knowledgeable person, when they look at the psalm and they see it's a psalm for Shabbat, and they see that word Tov, it is not a coincidence that a psalm for Shabbat begins with the word Tov because it's communicating something about the nature of our world. God created a world of goodness that human beings are supposed to protect and defend. And the one element of the world that's not good 
is when humans act as if they are islands in and of themselves. That nobody else matters. That all that matters is me, what I want, what I need, and not the person next to me. That's low tove. And then the second thing that struck me about this passage is tov lehodot ladunai. It's good to praise God. And that phrase is a difficult phrase in a world in which people with guns and bombs shout things like praise God. And so how do you reconcile the notion of praising God in a world in which those who praise God with the most fervor seem to be the most murderous and corrupt? So the text goes a little bit further, and it says, it explains what praising God means. To affirm your love each morning, the emunatcha baleilot, and your faith and your faithfulness each night. The characteristic of God that this psalm is telling us to extol and exalt and praise is God's love and God's faithfulness. And faithfulness here is an interesting word in the context of God, it means steadfast protection of those who need the most protection those who are the weakest and at most disadvantaged and most in need of protection and care in our world. And so what it means, according to this psalm, to extol the praises of God is to sing about love and to sing about the protection of those in need. And so you begin to see a theme emerging here, that what this psalm is talking about and what Shabbat is talking about is a celebration of creation, an assertion that human beings are here to protect the world that we live in, that doing so is an act of praise of God, and that God's defining characteristics are love and protection of those most in need. What a statement that is about the nature of what it means to be human in the world is that we are meant to ensure that this creation of goodness remains good. That it doesn't revert back to chaos. That it doesn't revert back to violence. And that love and protection are the values that get celebrated and taught throughout. And then it says something amazing. How great are your works, God. Your thoughts are beyond our grasp. An amazing statement that the world God has created is so amazing, so beautiful, human beings can't even comprehend it. God's thoughts and God's works, human beings can't even comprehend how much of an answer to an ideology that says we know what God wants so much that we're willing to massacre people in order to perpetuate it. And here the psalmist says what it means to have Shabbat a celebration of this majestic and good world is the recognition that what God can do and what God knows is beyond human comprehension. And so therefore, a little humility, a little backpedaling before we believe that we know so much what God wants that we're willing to murder for it. A stupid person doesn't understand that. 
Bifroch reshaim kemo esel v'yatzitzu kol po'ale aven. The wicked flourish, springing up like grass. And I thought about that this week. Because it feels like no matter what we do, no matter how far we get into human history, no matter how much progress we make, the people who terrorize our world continue to pop up and the ideologies seem to be getting more, not less popular, and there seems to be more people we ought to be afraid of. It's an interesting idea that the wicked spring up like grass. That idea gets challenged in just a second. But eventually they are all going to be destroyed forever. You are exalted above all forever, God. Your enemies, God, remember the enemies of God are those who are opposed to the values of love and of protection of those in need who seek to turn a creation of goodness back into chaos, who seek to turn a creation of peace, of shalom, back into violence. They are the enemies of God. They will disappear. Here's the punchline. Yitpardu is an interesting word. translates here as um, they will crumble. So think back to that, that image of grass. If any of you have grass, you know that a blade of grass doesn't have very deep roots. And unlike a lot of other plants, it's sort of independent of every other plant. Right? So when it says the wicked may spring up like grass, it's actually not a compliment to the wicked. It's not a statement that these people are this pervasive ideology. It may cover the whole world, but ultimately it's flimsy and it's delicate. And it is, in the end, it says here it will crumble, but the word parade really means it'll disperse, it'll scatter, it'll go away because there's nothing to hold on to it. There's nothing it's holding on to. And that's by action and also by ideology. The point of the ideology that is responsible for acts like the Charlie Hebdo massacre and the massacre today at the kosher market in Paris, the nature of the ideology is that it doesn't hold on to anything. It's ultimately nihilistic. It's ultimately disparate from everybody else, which is why there has never been a successful state run by terrorists. Because the language of actually governing and bringing people together and building a stable society, that's not in the thought process of people who are seeking solely to rip down what exists. And that's why ultimately the psalm says, go away. But here is what the text affirms. Sadiq katamar ifrach ke'erez balvanon yiske shetulim bebeit arunai pechatrot elohenu yafrichu the righteous will flourish like the palm tree they shall grow tall like a cedar in Lebanon planted in the house of Adonai they will thrive in the courts of our God the response to ideologies that are in their nature like grass is to build communities and values that are of their nature like deeply rooted trees that allow branches to exist outside, uh, on their top that allow for different versions and aspects of those ideologies that they're not monolithic, but ultimately that they bring people together. 
that it's about, remember the beginning of creation, what's not good, it's not good for the human being to be alone because what we are supposed to be like as a community, as a people, is like that tree, connected together at our roots, stable at our core. We may have different ideas and different manifestations out at the top, but ultimately we hold together. And so the idea of Shabbat Shalom is really related to the idea of Shalom being Shalem, whole, complete. So the notion of Shabbat Shalom, a day in which we celebrate creation, step back from creation and realize the glory and majesty of God, is a day in which we realize that to live in this world is to hold each other to love each other, to care for each other, to protect each other, and to build a world of wholeness and of peace. It won't end, sadly, murderous ideologies. But as Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so Shabbat reminds us of that crucial lesson for living. That though we may not ultimately have control over the dark forces in our world, what we have control over is the ability to bring more light, more love, more healing, and more wholeness into the world we live in. And so we pray, may peace come to us, to all the people Israel, and to all of humanity. Please sing after me. O Yavo Shalom Aleinu. O Yavo Shalom Aleinu. O Yavo Shalom Aleinu. Shalom. 